Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, this is Simon Hughes. It's the analyst inside cricket looking back at the fourth day of the Brisbane Test match. And I'm afraid it's a a gloomy story. All those doom mongers who were forecasting a a 5-0 or a 4-0 win for Australia will be feeling quite smug today because some of their predictions about England's fallibility with the bat and innocuousness with the ball have come true. Australia, 114 for none in their second innings, need just 56 runs to win the match. So the Barmy Army, Simon, was still singing quite uh, throatily at the end of the day, but they can't have been too optimistic, really, and it it was a, a pretty gloomy day for England. Absolutely thoroughly dispiriting, but also entirely predictable. I don't want to say I told you so, but this is what I feared at the start of the series. Australia's pace attack and Nathan Lyon as well, just being a bit too good for a fragile England batting lineup. Steve Smith, of course, showed his class in the first innings. And it was an arm wrestle for three days, nearly three days, that Australia have totally taken control of the match. They've just sort of blitzed England today, totally dominating the fourth day. And a, a hugely disappointing situation for England. Moen Ali, I spoke to him afterwards, he, he admitted that. He admits the game's gone. Well, of course it has. Australia only need 56 more to win. And the thing about it was, it well, it, it just seemed so obvious from the time that Australia started to make inroads into England's batting on that third evening when they picked up a couple of wickets. They really got the rumble going. Having said that, actually, the first session today, the the morning session, England looked okay for for quite a lot of it. Stoneman, I thought, handled the the, the bouncers a bit better. In fact, the the bowling generally didn't have the same intensity as the night before. I suppose that was predictable in a way, because when you do have only 16 overs to bowl at the end of the evening and, you know, the lights fading and the batsmen are apprehensive, it's a great time to bowl. But suddenly when you go out in a new day and you don't know what's going to happen, you don't quite have the same focus and the same adrenaline rush, I suppose, as a bowler. And and I didn't think the Australians looked that dangerous, that threatening in the first sort of hour's play. Both Mark Stoneman and, and Joe Root looked quite comfortable. I, I thought Root looked more like his old self, whereas in the first innings he looked nervous and, and a bit sort of frenetic. But to, today, certainly in the morning, he looked quite fluent, he looked confident, 
you know, he was working the ball around. And to me, the, the, the crucial period came when Nathan Lyon came on to bowl. And like in the first innings, he, he just struck a, a lovely rhythm straight away. I think he's bowling a bit quicker than he's bowled perhaps in the last few years, more like sort of 55, 56 miles an hour, which does make it a little harder for the batsman. But the, the bounce he got, the spin he got, and the, the, he imposed this sort of almost mesmerising effect on the England batsman, so that his first six overs went for only nine runs. He took the wicket of Stoneman in that period. And you feel that he's so crucial to the Australian bowling attack because they have a four-man attack, they have three fast bowlers and Lyon, so they're going to rely on Lyon to bowl a lot of overs and keep it tight. If England can be more positive and proactive against Nathan Lyon. That means the the pace bowler's got to bowl more overs. That means they're going to be more tired later in the day and will have not the quite the energy levels to be able to just knock England over at the end like they did today. I mean, the last four wickets fell for, what, 10 runs? And it looks like that's going to happen quite often because those lower-order players just can't handle the pace. So England have to have a strategy, I, I think, against the spinner, not only to, to stop him taking wickets, but actually to get him out of the attack. Yeah, the one time that Lyon felt under pressure today was when Moeen Ali came in and he did start to attack him. And then, he, you know, his lengths changed. He, he bowled short a bit, Moeen cut him. That's after he hit him down the ground as well. That is the way to go, clearly, against Lyon. I think what's been the surprise here is there's been so much in the pitch room. The ball has turned. I think just talking about the, the predictability in, in what Australia produced today, I think I was including Lyon in that, that you know, he does get to bowl at England's top order left-handers. They've got so many left-handers in the side, so he's just licking his lips, especially on a pitch where there's a bit of turn for him as well. So that was one aspect of it. And of course, once he'd made the breakthroughs, once he put England on the back foot, you know, England were five down, whatever, there was no room for manoeuvre. And the way Stark and then Cummings ruthlessly uh, bowled short, exploited England's uh, fallibility in the tail, England had nowhere to go. And and that is going to be a problem. You're right. How are England's lower order going to cope with that short pitch, fast bowling? I mean, there there was time today when Cummings bowled to Jake Ball just short 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 ball after ball after ball he didn't last that long but every single ball he received was around about throat height not easy for a tail ender as you probably know yourself well I I remember it I I remember facing a lot of the West Indies fast bowlers you know just playing for Middlesex and you know when you get that bombardment and you're number 10 you know you can't really be expected to cope with it but somehow England a need to get more runs from the top order but also by doing that, it wears the faster bowlers down in a, a hot environment and they aren't going to be quite as dangerous. Definitely, if you've bowled 25, 30 overs in a day rather than 15 or 18, you're not going to have the same energy levels to get the ball quite as high and as quite as ferociously awkward to play for those tail enders. But, you know, focusing on, on England's top order... You know, they've got to produce more runs. I mean, in this game, the highest score in the match for England was 83, James Vince. Second innings, only Joe Root managed a 50. There wasn't a 50 partnership in the whole innings. The best partnership, I think, was 45. You're right about Moen Ali, the way he played against Nathan Lyon, but, you know, some of the other players have got to do that as well. I think back to the the Brisbane Test of four years ago when, obviously, Mitchell Johnson was was ferocious against the England batsman, but David Warner was brilliant against Graham Swan. England had a four-man attack. In that second innings, when Australia had a decent lead already, Warner really went on the attack against Swan and sort of hit him out of the attack, and that just puts, you know, massive pressure on those three seamers to keep rotating and keep 
keep the score in check. So, uh, you know, that's one little area. All right, England are going to always have trouble against the, the short ball with the tail enders, but the top order have got to find a way of scoring a bit faster and, and putting that four-man attack under pressure. I'm sure it's something they'll, they'll talk about. The only thing I would say about that is that Lyon is a very experienced bowler now. He's got the confidence of all those test match wickets behind him. Was he, uh, you know, he's in the mid-200s. the mid He looks a really confident, mature spinner. Phil Tufnell was making that point today, you know, that he, the, he looks a mature bowler now. He believes in himself. He's had those moments of doubt, but now he believes in himself. He's, he believes he should be in this Australia side. And his record is, is fantastic. He's taken over 50 wickets this year, and that's... Dealing with Lyon is going to be one of England's issues in the rest of the series, to, just to put the pressure on the on the other bowlers. Uh, the problem is, of course... Yeah, but, but you see, it's all very well to have those 51 wickets in however many tests he's played this, this year, and that's fantastic, and averaging 22 and really uh, putting the mockers on left-handers. He averages only 13 against left-handers. But every bowler has a fragility. If you allow them to bowl to you, they will just build up more confidence, whereas actually... A bit of proactivity by the batsmen going back on their stumps and working singles. We're not talking about necessarily running up the wicket and slogging them over the top, but just being proactive and stopping them from maintaining that consistent line and length, just knocking them for ones, going back on your stumps, bit down the wicket and working it for one. I mean, in fact, Milan did that early on in his innings and then he stopped and and soon got out. But the, the attitude was right, but you've got to sustain it. And if you can just keep milking a spinner, even it's just ones and twos, it doesn't have to be big boundaries, that puts a little bit of doubt in their mind, it doesn't matter who it is, and eventually the the runs start to flow, the bowler bowls the odd loose ball, and then they get withdrawn from the attack, so it's a fine margin, obviously, and, you know, I agree with you, he's a fantastic bowler, he's got that uh, ability to bowl over and round the wicket, he gets drift, he's got a, a good sort of strong action which gets the ball to bounce as well as turn, he does maintain a, a very consistent line and length and he does look confident, but England have got to chip away at that confidence. One of the problems here, of course, specifically in Brisbane, I mean, other grounds as well, like the MCGs, the boundaries are very big as well. So, you know, you're right about just ticking the board over. The big shots, it's it's not easy to play them because it's a long, long way to just hit the ball for six. I mean, sometimes you can just, you know, dance down the pit, whack him for six and and perhaps do it again. And that really just put the the pressure on the ball. Not not so easy here at at the Gabba and possibly one or two other Australia grounds as well. What about uh, Joe Root? Because, uh, as I say, he looked uh, good this second innings but again he got out for for a 50 a a good score which didn't turn into a big score and there is a a a story knocking around that in the last 20 odd innings he's been out lbw 11 times whereas in his previous 70 innings he was out lbw only seven times and you know that blow to the head that he got on the third evening possibly just made his movements at the crease a little bit more exaggerated. When you're uh, sort of worrying or slightly concerned about the old short ball, you've had a bang to the head, you do occasionally look to get more across to the offside and get your head down a little bit lower. And that's a natural reaction to the likelihood of bouncers and, and, and dealing with them. Then that means your head is a little bit more towards the offside and that can cause you to fall over and sometimes get out LBW because your head's gone too far to the offside or gone too low. So I'm just slightly concerned about that. You know, he's, he's a fantastic player, but he hasn't really 
got the big scores consistently enough for his ability. Yeah, his record shows that, that he hasn't gone on, unlike Steve Smith, who does seem to go on and on. Michael Vaughan made that point, actually, on air on Test Match Special. He, he felt that Root is not quite lining it upright, and it's something that he, you know, he needs to work on. Obviously, he will work on. It's something he, I'm sure he's, he's aware of, or will be made aware of, if not by the, the coaches, then probably by Michael himself, and they have quite a close relationship, those two. I mean, Root, clearly... Uh, needs to get big runs of England to have some success in the series. That, you know, it's the same with Alistair Cook as well. We talked about Cook's problems last night. Yeah, Cook uh, averages 25 in his last few tests, taking away that 243 made against the West Indies. In the last 12 months, his average is actually only 25. I know it's a bit unfair to take a 243 away, but apart from that innings, he's very rarely got past 50, in fact. So... You know, there there are just little signs, as we said yesterday, of his not decline, but but just sort of tipping over the, the top of the peak. Maybe, uh, what, what positives can we can we take out of this game? Do you think that's an interesting question? I mean, we always t- <laughs> there's always that thing. You know, you, you go to press conference, you you know, you do interviews after. You know, what are the positives you can take out of this huge defeat? Uh, it could well be a huge defeat as well. It could be by ten wickets. I I think. England have been right in the game at certain points. I think that's the most frustrating thing for them. They were 246 for four on the, the second day. They had Australia at 209 for seven. And they made sort of basic errors, I think. That, that, I think that's the most frustrating thing. The, the Milan's error, I mean, he'll probably learn from it, that falling into the trap that we've talked about throughout the game. And then the fact that when they were 209 for seven, seven down, England didn't use their premier bowlers for long enough, certainly not after lunch. Uh, when they came back after lunch, they didn't use neither Anderson nor Broad. They used Ball and, and Wokes. I think that that's the thing. That it's it, it it's not as if Australia. Well, they have played well, but it's, it's, it, England had it within their own capability to do something about it, and they sort of let that slip. I think they'll they'll probably reflect on that. So I think the positives are that they've they've matched Australia, but but ultimately Australia have been a bit too good for them. I mean, I. My feeling is, of course, is that Australia are a bit too good for them and their bowling attack is a bit too quick and there's a bit too much quality in it. Um, but you, you can't think like that. Obviously, you've got to try to think about ways around that and ways you could score runs, ways you can counter it, and ways you can take wickets. Uh, just on the, the taking of wickets, England have got to come up with an extraordinary number of plans for Australia's bats, and especially the, you know, the big two, Warner and Smith. I mean, there's a lot of thought that's gone in with their you know, new bowling coach, Shane Bond. A lot of thought has gone into England's plans they thought about it it's just I suppose it's just a question of trying to deliver well you that's an interesting point and it's funny I I I think back to the series in 2010-11 when they they beat Australia obviously at home and there was a lot of plans for Michael Hussey at the time they tried various things in the first couple of tests and and nothing worked he made a hundred in Brisbane he made runs in the second test as well and it was only when they got to Melbourne that they suddenly realised, actually, the best place to bowl is just around the off stump on a good length to a new batsman because everybody is fallible to the good ball just moving away a touch around about the off stump early in their innings. And, of course, they did that. Jimmy Anderson bowled the perfect ball to Mike Hussey on around off stump, just a little bit of movement away, out for naught caught behind so maybe that you can overanalyze this stuff and in the end every batsman is fallible to the ball even you know the great Viv Richards Jack Callis whoever it is 
if you can bowl that line consistently just about off stump with a tiny bit of movement either way, hopefully away, actually everybody's fallible in the innings. And I think probably that's the place to bowl to Steve Smith. If there's enough bounce in the pitch, which should be with a newish ball, then I think go back to basics. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's, that's a reasonable point. I'm not saying that England didn't do that in this test match. I think they did with Smith when he first came in. They did bowl that line just on and all around off stump. And then you know, he resisted. He showed his, his patience and discipline. And then you go to, a, to another plan. So I, I don't think they've gone away totally from that plan. But they are slightly quirky bats. Well, aren't they? Warner's the same. Warner, there's something about him. And England have posted a, a deep point to stop him scoring freely at the start of the innings. And today, that not paid dividends, but he, he wasn't able to score freely. Same in, in the first innings. The problem is, of course, there wasn't that much pressure on him. So Australia were able to sort of canter along. They were able just to sit in and, and just wait for the second stringing and bowlers to come on. So, I mean, I, I'm not against that plan for Warner, I think that's not bad. I think for a player like that, a quirky player like Warner, I think you do have to come up with something different. But of course, you're of course you're right. You know, the game is being played for what 140 years, and batsmen are most vulnerable just on or outside off stump. I mean, England know that, of course they do. Um, but but also, you know, drying Warner up is is you know is a good way to try to to play on his mind as well. I suppose that the one other, well, one of many concerns England have also is the state of Moen Ali's index finger because he said he'd split it in the first innings and it clearly wasn't getting the revs on the ball that, that Nathan Lyon did or, in fact, Moen has done in the past. Uh, as soon as you split the uh, index finger on the inside where you grip the ball, it's very hard to, to spin it to the same degree and that kind of injury doesn't really heal up very quickly. He said he's been putting glue on it to try and hold it together. But, oh dear, I mean, that's, that's not good news either, really. I'm, I'm trying not to be as, as gloomy as, uh, as I feel, but I can't help it. Yeah, well, I mean, overall, although England have, have competed really strongly in this Test match, I mean, there are there are some cracks beginning to appear. I mean, obviously, there was a very big crack before the tour even started with with Ben Stokes. I mean, that's the sort of the elephant in the room in a way, isn't it? Or not even bigger than an elephant. It's the whale in the room, really. That you know, there's no Ben Stokes <laughs> out there. Uh, you know, it's, it's such a huge setback. I mean, Steve Smith actually, before he did an interview um, with Jonathan Agnew the other day on the BBC, he just said to um, Agus off mic, you know. Um, is Stokesy coming out? And, you know, when I was at the airport I, the other day coming in, into Brisbane, the, the first words I heard from an Australian at the airport were, is Stokesy coming out? I mean, you know, they, they realised what an impact he could have. England know it as well. I mean, I just go back to that um, interview I did with Andrew Strauss the, the, the day or two after it happened when they, you know, announced the, the, the touring party. You know, you could almost just see it in his face, the frustration, the, the annoyance that this should come up, you know, all the planning that England do. I mean, then to be without... Your your champion all rounder is, is such a setback for them, and I'm you know I'm not sure that they're capable of getting over it. Well, let, let's hope the uh, police can can resolve the Ben Stokes case as, as quickly as possible and get him on the next plane, or if he was allowed to by the ECB. In the meantime, England have just got to, I suppose, lick their wounds and, and look ahead to Adelaide. We'll reflect on the, the final day's play, which is, looks like an inevitable victory for Australia, and look ahead to what England can do tomorrow at this time. But in the meantime, go and have a stiff vodka and, and get a good night's sleep. Might need a few more than the, just one uh, stiff vodkas after today's play. Or one of those days that you've sort of seen before 
when England come to Australia. You hope you weren't going to see it today, but as I said at the start, it just felt inevitable. Well, we'll speak to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.